Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello. Everyone, this is not our typical introduction. You'll get that momentarily. Here's what happened on this week's episode of No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, by the way, if you're new and, and just joining us, usually we have fancy theme music and, and a great, fun, energetic intro. Uh, we have that, again, but we recorded this week's episode, and literally about 15 minutes later, the Titans signed Harold Landry to a five-year, $52.5 million guarantee contract. Uh, 87.5 total, an annual average value of $17.5 million. There's a brief portion in the podcast where we talked about uh, how the Titans could make a deal like this work. Uh, that's staying in. Uh, you, you know, you're welcome to skip that part, hit the, the skip 15 seconds until you get past that. But we're keeping that in because I think it's a, an interesting discussion. Uh, you know, some of the background of this talking about how this worked. But uh, literally, right after we. We shot this sucker into um, our podcast host. This deal happened. So we're going to come to you with a little prelude to this week's episode reacting to the Harold Landry contract extension. Guys, what do we think? I'm glad we kept him. Um, as you as you will know later on in the episode where I talk about the fact that I wanted to keep him and it made sense to keep him. I really just never had too much of a doubt that they were going to re-sign him. Everything pointed to it. Um, the comments from John Robinson, from Mike Frabel, um, Landry has always felt at home here, um, finally started to put it all together. So I'm glad they were able to work something out, and they worked something out that's what we thought it would be. Like, we've talked about it on previous episodes. We thought he was going to make around 17, 18 per year. That's That just kind of makes sense. That's the current edge market. Um, and given how much he's he's played um, and given his production, it made a lot of sense. And I think it makes him like ninth uh, in the league in terms of edges, uh, average annual per year. Um, and good. That's that's he, he's a top 10 edge in the league right now, uh, especially after uh, last season's performance. So good for him. Good for the Titans. I'm happy overall. Yeah, and I think you said it uh, really well in the podcast, which it, it makes a little bit more sense now. But you said what what not franchise tagging Harold Landry did, like the worst thing right now was just that it doesn't give you that security. So luckily, Titans fans didn't have to deal with that except for, you know, about six hours worth. But it's that, you know, insecurity of do they have a plan? How much how much focus of this, you know? 
are they going to go down to the wire with this and then let other deals slip through? Like, are are they going to know what what they exactly who they need to target as soon as the bell kind of rings on the legal tampering period, our favorite part of the year? Um, so yeah, like you, you know, th- that that was a real concern. Not necessarily that they wouldn't sign him, but that this extra time and energy devoted to, you know, this crunch time was going to cloud the rest of the market. But yeah, I mean that they got him. I don't know if we want to wait to talk about terms in a second, but you know, locking him up for five years is great. Um, he'll, he, he won't even be 30 by the time that contract ends. And if he's good enough, you know, for the next couple of years, he'll get an extension or whatever, because contracts don't end in the NFL or they rarely do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, awesome but it uh, you'll hear later on that i'm i kind of explained both sides of this but i've always been a harold andrew fan and it, I, I don't think i've ever hidden that so i'm i'm excited to have one of my guys under contract yeah let, let's talk about the terms uh as i mentioned it's five years 87.5 million dollars is uh the total the guarantee of harold landry's new contract is uh $52.5 million. So the average annual value is about $17.5 million. But what's interesting for the Titans' purposes is uh, the cap hit. Will, do you want to tell us what that cap hit is and then we can discuss? Yeah, so it looks like it's going to be right over $5 million. Um, it- Kaharski is the first one I saw. Like I think y'all uh, sent me that. So Kaharski said it's going to be just over five million compared to the, depending on whatever stupid uh, positional tag you want to use. It sounds like they were going to be stuck using the linebacker tag by default, which would have been an eighteen million dollar hit instead of a seventeen million dollar hit. Or you know, it was about a couple of million dollars maybe between the defensive end and the linebacker tags. But if it was going to be the linebacker when it's basically a $13 million bonus and cap space this year. And uh, for the record, I have always stated that unless there's a pandemic going on, the cap is purely a myth. It doesn't really exist. And you want to push money as far as you can down the road because the dollar matters. Uh, the dollar is so much less valuable five years from now than it is right now. And I think that was sort of my main question, which you just answered. So I'm curious what Matias says. Uh, you know, is there anything to this idea? Because you know, I see a lot of fans that are like, man, this is going to really help the Titans this year, the, the money value. But, like, we weren't really expecting them to do a whole lot for this year. I don't know, I'm curious, was there a need to push it back? Because I agree with you, Will. Like, if you, if you can do... But I I don't know that they were really in a pinch, even if this didn't happen this way. No, I, I don't know either, but it's always good to keep yourself flexible in terms of how much cap space you have, just in case anything happens. Um, and you do need to spend more than maybe you were um, willing to or planning to in the beginning. But like Will said, and he says pretty much every episode, the cap is a figment of our imaginations, it seems. <laughs> um, and yeah, is they're just going to keep kicking the can down the road as long as they can. And it seems like you could just do it forever. And there are no repercussions really, uh, unless you're the Falcons who got themselves in a severe, uh, cap hell. Well, but, they've got um, a mediocre, well, me, just slightly above mediocre 
old quarterback who's worth like forty million or something. Correct, correct. As long as we don't get ourselves into that situation, uh, we will be okay. Yeah. Um, and see, it seems like the Titans have a really smart um, cap management team. I don't know exactly who like is the head of it, who runs it, but they seem to make very smart, sound, logical decisions in, in terms of managing the cap. Um, and they do so every offseason, really. I, I think what I was trying to say with my question more than anything is, you know, if you're a Titans fan watching this deal, you're glad it's done, and then you see, hey, the cap hits really low this year. I don't think the takeaway is, oh, man, they're going to go get Allen Robinson now, or, or they're going to go, you know, get some other big-name guy. Like, Because th- one of the things we talk about in this episode is the overall free agency strategy and approach that the Titans need to take. And at least the things that, no, the really the things that all three of us said, because we were pretty much in agreement, I don't think any of that changes now. There's no new approach at this point. No, I'll, I'll let Will go, but no, it doesn't really change anything. It just gives them flexibility. Um, like I said before, it, if they have to spend up, if some of these players that they really like uh, end up costing a little bit more than than they thought they would, if the market is just a little hotter than, than they expected. But um, I don't think it necessarily signals that they're going to go out and spend a lot of uh, money on high-profile players. No, and, and we talk about that a little, little bit, too, about what the top end of the free agency class looks like. But it, what it does mean, so, you know, you give yourself $13 million extra in that difference. I, you'll hear later, but the projection I have basically fills all of their dra- – all of their – the holes on their offense, you know, the other wide receiver, both tight ends, the left guard, right tackle, center – you know, all those positions get filled and they still have about $15 million left in space. Well, if they have $13 million that they created above the projected $18 million cap hit for the franchise tag, then that means that they'll be sitting around $28 million. And like you said, I don't expect them to go out and sign Amari Cooper. You know, I I don't expect them to go out and try to make a push for somebody like gigantic. But, you know, what if they say, okay, now we have the money to pay for Calais Campbell. So we're going to have Calais Campbell come in and he's going to play next to Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry. And, you know, we talk about how they don't need depth at defensive line, but they do like to run that three defensive line scheme. And we've never seen Calais Campbell be bad. So, I mean, I mean, they have, they have money to take a chance on a guy like that. Whereas, if they were to try to sign somebody like that because they really like their fit and what they can do, they probably would have had to let you know Ben Jones walk or somebody like that. So in free agency and the draft, you always just want options. You want to be able to take advantage. And Mike Keith talks about this a lot. He, he talks about you know you want to have money by the time the third wave of free agency comes because that's where you get guys who are steals who you know surprise you. Blah blah blah. I don't know how much I believe in all that. Um, but I will say that there is definitely value to money in free agency is the same as draft picks in the draft. Like you want to be able to take your shot and, you know, use as many lottery picks as you can instead of just say maybe having two first round picks and no picks after that. Sometimes it's better to have a balanced, you know, 
a balanced set of assets. Maybe I don't, I don't know how to really describe that, but to have the money to kind of play around to do what you want. Now I get what you're saying and I think it makes sense. Yeah. Also like as we see today, uh, like Bobby Wagner just got released. Like there may, there might be other like big name, players that get released or, or you know are available on the trade market that the Titans just weren't expecting um and giving yourself a little more flexibility um in terms of cap room um this season maybe you get someone that you didn't know you were going to get and ends up costing you more um than you expected to spend yeah well in something else um like every like you said everybody's talking about the you know chaos going on in Seattle and everybody's saying, like, somebody free DK Metcalf, blah, 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 blah. I don't think the Titans would do that. Uh, I mean, I know A.J. Brown and DK love each other, but they didn't draft Elijah Moore, and he and uh, A.J. were real close. But, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to trade for Tyler Lockett, you know, if he – whether because I think he's got almost no guaranteed money. No, he he has guaranteed money uh, this year and next year, and then after that it's all gone. But he's sort of, you know, we talk about guys like Jamison Williams and Jahan Dotson and like speed guys like that. I mean, he's kind of that like if you need an expert who can be in the slot and step up and play outside if you need to or play him wherever like that you had that is now an option, uh, you know. So, again, it, the I don't think any of us expected necessarily for there to be such a small cap hit. But I mean, the worst thing in the world is that they keep Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold at their current contract. And like, that's what they do with their cap savings. That, that would be an absolute waste, but hopefully that they keep looking and trying to expand their, their vision of what to do in free agency. Well, that's going to do it for this conversation. Plenty more to come. Again, this is just the start. The full episode of no nonsense will start in just one moment. Again, just coming to you ahead of time so that we could discuss the Harold Landry news. We'll obviously discuss it more next week when we come back to recap uh, free agency so far. Um, but I hope you enjoy, we hope you enjoy this week's episode of No Nonsense. And it's coming to you right now. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. We are less than a week away from the negotiation period opening ahead of NFL free agency, officially beginning on Wednesday, March 16th. And we're going to dive headfirst into this. Last week, we started off going into some positions that the Titans might want to look for free agents at. We spent a lot of time on uh, tight end. We spent a lot of time on wide receiver. We're going to talk some today about some other positions. We're going to talk about needs defensively 
for the Titans. We're also going to have a broader conversation about what the Titans' strategy should be going in to free agency. Is this a situation where they need to be aggressive, or should they sort of sit back, take what comes, maybe get a couple of day two, day three guys, and set their sights on the draft? All of that is coming up, but first, guys, uh, it is time for a uh, awake, really, is what we're going to have here. Um, we we need someone to come in with the violin and and start on the the DS era, uh, which is the the old Day of Wrath song, because guys, as you well know, the 2022 site Titan season on uh, March the eighth is over. Yeah. Uh... It's over. Uh, it, it was really fun uh, while it lasted, but uh, they just can't win the Super Bowl because they didn't get uh, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. So um, it's been fun. Um, we're still going to talk about the team uh, going forward just in case. But, uh, yeah, it's been a good ride uh, in 2022 for sure. Yeah, you know, gone too soon almost, some would say, like, you know, it's it's not too long ago that we're the number one seed, and for a season to end so early, it's it's been hard. It, it's uh, I I don't get it. Like, I, what I will say is, I get the argument of, well, I think the Titans should have made a bigger push for Aaron Rodgers, even though I I don't know that he was really available. But if that's your take, I can at least understand where you're coming from. I can also understand, or, or, you know, maybe you wanted him to go get Russell Wilson like the Broncos did. That I can also understand. I can also get behind, man, you know, these other two teams were aggressive and went out and got quarterbacks, and, you know, we have Tannehill, and I just don't really like Tannehill that much. I, I can get behind that. But the doomsday white flag surrender a day over a week into the month of March is where you very much lose me. It's crazy. Um, I don't know. Like, the, 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 I feel like there was no chance at times we're going to be able to pull off a trade for either of these guys. First of all, Rogers, I'm pretty sure was very set on going back to the Packers or retiring. Like, I don't think he really had any other thought in his mind i th- i read a tweet that said maybe the broncos but i don't think so to be honest um and if that was the case like this russell wilson trade would not have happened as quickly as it did it happened literally uh a couple of hours after so i find that one hard to believe i think rogers was always going to stay with the packers and then the russell wilson thing i don't like were the Titans ever going to be able to pull off a trade uh with the seahawks it seems like the seahawks were, were rebuilding um, and they, I mean, the, the only thing they asked back in, in terms of players was like Drew Locke, who is just a body. You know, they just need someone to play quarterback. They weren't going to ask for Ryan Tannehill uh, in return because of, you know, how much he costs. Um, and they really don't want to be in the position to, you know, be an average team with Tannehill quarterback like they're clearly rebuilding. I don't know if the Titans would have even had a chance to to pull that trade off. Um and they would have completely mortgaged the future for, yes, Russell Wilson is great, but 
he's had some struggles over the past couple of years. Um, he hasn't been able to get the Seahawks to the playoffs a, a, a couple of years. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think people are, are are really overreacting, but that that's that's what happens when your quarterback throws three interceptions in the playoffs. So I guess, I guess I get it a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't understand. Like, I like. There's, especially after today, like after we saw the price tags on the quarterbacks, like there was never a chance that they were going to do either one of those moves. It like imagine a scenario where the Titans trade for Aaron Rodgers and then pay him fifty million dollars a year. Like they would have to cut every single player. I, I mean, he would have no offensive line. He like you just can't do it. Like that move would never have made sense. Um, no matter how many houses he bought in the area. And then, <laughs> uh, you look at Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson's team was what they win, like five games this year, four games, like yeah. a, a very small amount. And it's not necessarily his fault, but it's also not like he was elevating Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Rashad Penny, who looked good, you know, like he's got, it's not like that offense was, you know, completely depleted. Like there, there was a ton of talent there. The defense was more the problem than anything, but still like, I I mean, we saw the Titans win what 12 games in 2020 with one of the worst defenses we've ever seen. So I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that Russell Wilson isn't a good quarterback, but what I'm saying is he was always at his best when it was the situation that, you know, Ryan Tannehill has always been at his best at a strong running game, really good defense, conservative play calling. So, uh, I mean, I I don't know that there's a big enough difference between those two, especially where they are now and what they've done recently to move two first-round picks, two second-round picks, you know, to basically clean out your draft for the next couple of years. Exactly. So, Here, and here's the thing about that. I think all three of us would agree that, A, Russell Wilson is better than Ryan Tannehill – and B, if we're running a team, we would rather have Russell Wilson than Ryan Tannehill, right? We would all agree on that simple fact, those simple facts. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, it's not just that you're getting Russell Wilson. It's not just that you're paying Russell Wilson. The Broncos gave up a ton, and I love this for the Broncos. It's been six, seven years since they've been worth two nickels because they've gone through the gauntlet of Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and Drew Locke and there was someone else, at Case Keenum, right? And and it's just been a disaster. And so they said, screw it, we can't do this through the draft. We're going to get our guy, right? Works out great. Well, when you already have someone like Ryan Tannehill, who, again, you, you guys know, since the playoff game, I've been very much on the negative side of i Hold fast that I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. I will say this. I don't know that giving up uh, what the Broncos did for Russell Wilson would get the Titans more than marginally closer. Um, That's not to say that I think Tannehill and Russell Wilson are close and like that Tannehill's pretty close to being just as good as Wilson. What I'm saying is the margin of difference between Tannehill and Russell Wilson does not equal the cost of that train. Because Denver gave up a lot. And again, I think they had to do it. I think it was the right choice. 
I don't know that that would have been the right choice for the Titans in their position. No, it, it was a lot. Like even the picks, like two first round picks, two second round picks. Um, that's a good amount, and we've talked about how the Titans need to to hit on some of those, um, especially because the wide receiver and tight end depth on the team um, is really bad. There, they might need two starting offensive line, new starting offensive linemen. Um, and then you think about the fact that the Broncos gave up. I know Drew Locke isn't good. He's a little bit of a throwaway, but Shelby Harris is like pretty much a starting defensive lineman. Noah Fant is an ascending uh, tight end, one of the best young tight ends in the league. Like the Titans were going to have to give up three probable starters um, in addition to those picks that that they would have had to give up. Um, plus, think about the fact that they the Titans don't have a second round pick this year. So. I mean, they would have mortgaged the entire future. Um, yes, for Russell Wilson, but I don't know if Russell Wilson would have been able to carry what the Titans would have been left with um, if they had given up all that, all those assets, to be honest. And again, the problem, you know, if you're upset with this, what I don't mind is being upset like, man, I just don't think Tannehill can get it done and they're stuck with him for another year. That's a fine reaction. The wrong reaction is, I'm mad that they didn't go do whatever. Yeah, and I mean, we can argue whether that's an appropriate reaction yeah, yeah. or not. Like, but there's at least logic to it. Yeah, like I can see where p- people who are still hurt and you know, uh, damaged over the playoff game. Like, I can see where they're coming from. I, I don't agree with it, obviously. Like we've talked about before, but like it's there is a at least a starting point for a conversation there. The Titans were never going to make any move like this. Like they told you, I mean, they told it to your face. They told you right after the season. They told you at the senior bowl. They told you at the combine. I, I mean, there's only so many times you can ask a question and then give you a direct, like right to your face response yeah. and then still be surprised that they just do what they said they were going to do. I will say this. I don't know that you can always take 100% stock in what they say. This is the same team that you know four years ago said, oh, Mike Malarkey is our coach. But it, it the the standing behind Tannehill has indeed been uh, overwhelming. Yeah, they, they've made it pretty clear that they are going to stick by him, and I think they're right to do so. I think it would have been too much to give up for for Rogers or, or Wilson, um, and it just makes sense to to stick with your guy when. He was so good, you know, the the first two years that, that he was here, he was pretty bad this past year, but I think a lot of it had to do with the offensive coordinator. I think the Titans front office is aware of that because they brought in Tim Kelly, um, and they're bound to make a lot of changes on the offensive end. So I think they realized that last season was a little bit of an aberration in terms of Tannehill um, and his quality, so... I'm not surprised to see them stick by him pretty much this entire offseason. Um, and, I, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if any rumors come out about the ti- whether the Titans were actually in on Russell Wilson in any capacity. I know we got that PFT report that um, they were a consideration for Rodgers, but that seemed like it was just Aaron Rodgers trying to draw up rumors honestly um so i i don't really know if they were ever even considering either of them i'll say the dumbest reaction from all of this was 
I don't want Aaron Rodgers because of his attitude. Dude, when you when you win two MVPs in a row, like as long as you're not, you know, involved in some kind of nefarious criminal activity, you're good <laughs> with me. Yeah, he's very good at winning regular season games. Like he's one of the best in the league at doing that. So, like any anybody who didn't want him because he's a prima donna is nuts. Let's move into free agency. Wild that it's just a, a few days away. It feels like just yesterday I was walking out of Nissan Stadium after that Bengals game, and now here we are. Um, I, I want to talk about the overall strategy, like I mentioned in the in the open, but we we did have our conversation last week cut short because we ran out of time. So what we never really got to talk about last week, because we spent a lot of time on offense, we talked about receiver and tight end for the most part, we never got to talk about the defense. Uh, I, I think this team, assuming they re-sign Harold Landry, which we think is going to happen, and we can talk about the decision not to tag him in just a minute. But let's assume for the purpose of this conversation that you do have Harold Landry next year as the Titans. It, is there a need on defense? Do they even need to make a free agent signing that's not like a Tier 3, Tier 4 kind of guy? Um, because I, I don't know what good pumping three, four, five million dollars into someone at, at really any position is going to do because they, they've got their starters in place and I think they've got pretty decent depth across the board too. Maybe they could have some better edge depth, but you do have, Rashad Weaver, you got Derek Roberson as, I believe, a restricted free agent, so you can bring him back if you want. Uh, maybe inside linebacker, you know, Kyle Van Noy gets released by the Patriots. You know, what do you think there? I just don't see the need to spend any type of money on a high-profile uh, defensive starter because, I like, I'm thinking about, like, Let's say they they let Zach Cunningham go. Um, they cut him because they don't want to pay him um, whatever amount of money it is. I think it's like fourteen or something. Um, but even then, like they drafted Monty Rice in the third round. David Long is still there, so you have you would technically have your two starters, and then you really only need depth. Um, and it that that's pretty much the theme. Like they could go and, and sign some depth pieces, but in terms of getting a defensive starter through free agency it's just not happening like you you don't you don't need it really at, at any position um on the defense so all i could really think is signing a couple of veteran players um as depth um let's say if Zach cunningham uh, uh gets cut um i could see that as inside linebacker you can never have enough edges you can never have enough defensive linemen um and maybe like a backup cornerback but that's it. Like they really don't, they don't need, they don't need any, any starters on defense. Yeah. Anytime you talk about players that the Titans might need on defense, you just keep saying like, not you specifically, everybody has to say, well, if this guy gets hurt and this guy gets hurt and it's like, we can't build a team of 53 players like that. So like if you're, if you're pretending that two starters get injured at a specific position, everybody in the league is going to be in trouble. So with that in mind, there's really no place. You could argue maybe they need uh, 
a veteran, you know, pass rushing hybrid guy like to back up Autry just because he's older. But I mean, it's not like he showed any wear and tear during the season. Like bring back Buster Screen as like the backup corner who can play inside and out, and I mean, you're good to go. Like they're 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 so deep everywhere except for safety, really, on the defensive side of the ball that it's you know. There's really no reason to even look at depth pieces until the third wave. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Like I said, I just don't know that it makes sense to spend four to five million bucks on someone. No, no franchise tag for Harold Landry. Um, I I don't know that it was a surprise. It was always maybe a possible outcome, uh, but I think we really didn't know what was going to happen. We entered. Tuesday, you know, not really realizing. We're going to react to that in just one moment because we've talked so much about why they need to re-sign Harold Landry, why the three of us think that. And so we'll react to this and we'll answer the question of, is it over? Is this something that is headed toward Harold Landry playing on another team? We will react. We will have that conversation in just one moment. You are listening to No Nonsense Tennessee Titans podcast. No franchise tag for Harold Landry, guys. What do we think? I don't really, I don't think anything of it. I was maybe a little bit surprised when I saw the news um, just because, you know, I wanted the security of, of at least having him uh, for one more season, but Look, I, I think they really like him a lot. It's been pretty clear with how much he's played uh, in the different ways that they've used him. And he's always responded. He's always been, you know, an upstanding uh, character on the team. It just would make no sense for them to, to let him go. Um, and they've said they, they want to bring him back. I think he wants to stay here. Um, it makes sense. He had his best season when, you know, he had other good players to great players uh, alongside him on the defense. So it just makes sense for both of the sides to work something out. Uh, and I think they will. I, I think people are freaking out a little bit too much. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do let him go, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, it's been a great fit from the beginning when he started his career here. He's only gotten better. The times have, you know, really um, benefited from him. So, I think he's going to say, I, I think they're going to get him on a long-term deal. Um, and, and I think that's what's best for both parties, honestly. Yeah. I think he's seen enough bad play calling. Like, I mean, he's had a season with six sacks, like I mean, last year. And I mean, not, not 2021, but 2020, like he's seen what it's like when you don't have a really good secondary behind you, or when you don't have good aggressive play calling that knows how to, you know, get pressure without sending six or, you know, just rush three guys to make you completely ineffective. So I, I think he's one of the few guys who's still on a rookie contract who knows like the grass isn't always greener. And I'm surprised that they didn't tag him only from the sense that they tagged uh, Derek Henry and they used that guaranteed moment, uh, number as sort of like a benchmark for the first two seasons. But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess because Harold Landry hasn't been as outstanding as Derek Henry was that they didn't feel the need to do that. Um, 
I, people have talked on both sides about what the leverage is in this situation. Is it leverage that, you know, if they would have given him the tag, then he could have leveraged that 17 or $18 million and said, look, I'm guaranteed this either way. So make me a better offer than this, or we'll just talk about this again next year. And then the Titans are stuck with that cap hit and have to do this all over again in 2023. Um, which I think would have been a, a tough place to be. Then there are people who said because you know they didn't tag him that now they can say, okay, well, you may not have as much guaranteed money, but you're not going to get as much guaranteed money in your first year anyway because nobody's going to give you that. You know, nobody's going to hand you a franchise tag and then some on the open market. So I don't know. It's uh, like I mean, obviously, I have been a big Harold Landry fan forever. I'm a big defender of him. I think that no team in the NFL is going to value him the same way the Titans do. And I think that both parties want to come to an agreement together. And then I also know that Tennessee's, you know, state tax situation helps that makes dollars stretch more here than in nearly every other market. So I I don't know. I mean, is some team really going to pay him $20 million a year because he had, you know, a good season rushing the passer this year and he, because he can do a little bit of everything or, is he going to go out there in a crowded edge market and in a draft with a ton of edge prospects and kind of get lower than he expected? So I don't know. It, it's it's hard because Robinson has always looked at big free agents as, is this player worth what I can do with that money plus the third or fourth round compensatory pick I'd get for him? And that's where it starts to get muddy because, I mean, I think we all think that, but, I mean, Robinson is the guy that drafted him. He's the guy that basically remade the entire defense in one offseason. I mean, he he may or may not have that value placed on Harold Landry. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you guys have both nailed this. It, I still think you got to do it. <laughs> I, I don't think that's that opinion of any of us has changed. No, and I, I just I just really do not want to start over at this position, um, especially like having Bud Dupree as your number one guy. Like I know he's very talented and he has the name recognition, but he didn't look like an edge one um, last year. And I know he was coming off the ACL, but it's possible that he just never really gets back to being that disruptive edge presence that he was um, for a lot of years in Pittsburgh. Um, and you take away Harold Landry, who at times looked like genuinely the best defensive player on the Titans in a lot of games last season. I, I just think that would be crazy, um, even though the edge market is, is pretty good. Um, I don't really know too much about the edge class yet, but it just wouldn't wouldn't make sense to me. I I don't think, you know, what, what you said, Matias, about don't want to rebuild that position. It it took him so long to build it to the way it was last year. Because year one under Mike Vrabel, it was old Derek Morgan and Brian Rackpo who were slow and combined for like maybe three sacks. It was awful. And then in year two, they draft Landry. Or no, no. Landry was there his first year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because Landry was a part of the Rashawn Evans draft. So year two... Landry, I don't really remember a whole lot, honestly. Maybe he was hurt, but they had Cam Wake. I remember that. It, it was average at best. 
And then in year three, we all know it was an abject disaster because Clowney was bad. Vic Beasley was the Isaiah Wilson of defense. And then, you know, Landry struggled because he had no help. And and Simmons hadn't yet uh, developed, flowered into what he became in, in 2021 as a Pro Bowl elite type of player. And then finally in 2021, it it clicked on every imaginable cylinder. Shane Bowen was just totally in sync with those guys, and they were in sync with each other, and it felt like they were getting three, four sacks a week guaranteed. I don't know why you would voluntarily say, eh, we don't really want that anymore, because that's what you're doing if you don't re-sign Harold Landry. Because you can. You can afford it. You can do it. And if you don't, you are saying we're going to voluntarily not have that in favor of something else that I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now is not going to be more valuable than that. Uh, So are we going to acknowledge the fact that they did this last year, that this is like the same exact thing that happened last year with Corey Davis? This is different. It's really not. I I mean, Corey Davis had a breakout season. You know, he, he was what four yards away from a thousand yard season and, I mean, he was the leading receiver on the Titans offense until the second half of the last game of the season uh, on an offense that had a 2,000-yard rusher and A.J. Brown like and Jonu Smith. I mean, he like he very much had a breakout year the same way that Landry did, and they let him walk because they decided that that money was going to be better spent elsewhere because, you know, the coaches or whoever they wanted to blame, which was the coaches last year on defense – uh, they decided that they couldn't do it with the guys that they had, and they were going to have to bring in new guys to make their life easier. And that's what they did. I, I mean, Cor- Corey Davis turned in to Danico Autry and part of Bud Dupree. So, it, like, again, I want them to re-sign Harold Landry. I think they absolutely should. I think going after a free – I think if Harold Landry goes somewhere else, he will not be very good. I think if the Titans bring somebody else, somebody else in to replace Harold Landry, that person will not be very good. It is it is hard to add free agent edges that just come in and fit like a glove. It just doesn't work that way usually. So, you know, that I think that's a hard thing to ask from somebody, but you know, they did it last year. I, I I'm I don't know. I it, I struggle with this. Matias I don't know. It it just still seems so crazy to me. I mean, it does, you do make sense with the Corey Davis thing, but receiver wasn't a strength. Um, and the fact that they would just be completely weakening um, their biggest strength from last season um, is weird. Unless they really like, you know, the edge class, both in free agency and the draft, and they think that they could replace him with some someone cheaper. I don't know, but I just, I, I can't see it, but... Uh, any anything is possible, honestly, in free agency. And it's possible that they get priced out. Like because if Harold Land- Landry starts talking to other teams, he's going to probably get persuaded with a lot of money because you know teams like teams that are bad, like the ja- the Jaguars have been doing this for so long. The Jets do it also. They just splash cash for really good players because they have the cap space, and then you know players go there and they end up not doing anything because the teams are just bad. But, you know, you can't really blame the players because they're just trying to get as much money as possible. But I would hope um, that that he'll stay. I think the Titans want him here. 
I believe he wants to be here, so hopefully it gets done. But it would really hurt to see him leave, especially given that we've helped develop him um, and we've seen him kind of blossom into one of the best edge players in the league. I'm speechless. If you're in a position and you're in the NFL, I guess it's easy for us to sit here and, and say this now. Like, wouldn't you rather play for a good team for like, I'm not even talking about like a massive pay cut. Like if the Jets offer him eight a year and the Titans offer him seven, I'd, you, you go to the Titans, right? Or, or you know, if if the if the Titans don't and the Patriots offer seven and the Jets offer eight, you go to the Patriots. You you would think so. Also, he's like really young. So let's say he gets a four year deal. You would want to play on a better team because your numbers are probably going to be better. You're going to play better. You're going to cash and then in once again. You're, you're going to cash in again on a second contract, a hundred percent. So it would make sense, but it, it's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. We see people do crazy things every offseason to make dumb business decisions and leave money on the table. Like, I mean, like after he's he has single handedly watched the collapse of the Texans, the collapse of the Colts, and he's watched Jacksonville for, you know, their their entire tenure. And he's only been on teams that have won, that have had winning seasons, like his entire Titans career. Like, is he ready to just say, hey, that looks like fun over there. <laughs> Let me go do that. Like, I, I just don't know that he can watch guys beg to get out of Jacksonville year in and year out and then say, like, I, I'm probably the guy who's going to be like, I don't know. He's just never seemed like. Uh, you know, he's he's obviously never been a me first kind of guy. Like he's always been a, you know, put me wherever you want. Like if you need me to long snap, I'll do that, whatever. So it seems weird to me that he would just go for the highest contract with no thought of team success. Not not that he should take a hometown discount, but I mean, if I was him, I would ask for an incentive laden contract from the Titans and say, look, like I think I'm going to be awesome. Put bonuses in there for eight for you know a couple of million dollars. If I hit eight sacks, if I hit ten sacks, if I hit twelve sacks, if I hit fifteen sacks, and then if I break the single season record for the Titans, you give me ten million dollars extra. And I mean, it's not that crazy. I think it's fifteen sacks is uh, the Titans' single season uh, record. So I mean, like he had that. There was at one point where he was of like well into the season where he was projected to get fifteen, sixteen sacks. So. I, I don't know. Like I, I would try to do something like that and figure that out, but I it's 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 also weird. Like I don't see a way where the Titans and Harold Landry both walk away from the table thinking I can probably do better somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you there. Before we get into the uh overall free agency strategy conversation, a couple of things have have come to my attention since we started this. First of all, uh, an, another Broncos quarterback whose name I couldn't remember is Joe Flacco. Um, so there's that. There you go. It's very interesting. What a terrible eight, seven, eight years of quarterbacks. 
the other thing is we we have forgotten in 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 the quarterback carousel conversation. There's some alliteration for you. Uh, Russell Wilson gone. Aaron Rodgers gone off the table. We have forgotten that there is another Pro Bowl quarterback up for grabs. And he's probably not going to be as expensive as either one of those. Guys, the answer to this problem is a Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, not after Friday. He, I was about to say he's about to go to jail. <laughs> yeah, he's like, dude's about to get arraigned on Friday. Good, yeah. good luck. So his his case is being presented to a grand jury. And uh, my understanding is that grand juries are quick to indict. So, uh, yeah. The ham sandwich quote. Did you see that on Twitter? I did. I did. Yes. Tough, yeah. tough scene there for Deshaun Watson. What a bizarre, wild story. You feel so bad for the women that, that were victims of this. But it's also like, and you almost feel bad laughing, but like, I remember during training camp, uh, Sarah, I think her name's Sarah Barshop. I can't remember if there's an H. It's either Barsop or Barshop. She's the Tehran of the Texans for ESPN NFL Nation. And during training camp, she was like, uh, after whatever drill, uh, a trainer, Deshaun Watson walked off with a trainer and they went inside together or something like that. And all the replies were like, someone please go intervene and save this trainer. Yeah, that was tough. I I remember when that happened. That was like too soon. That was all the replies were, but. I, I mean, I laughed. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit that. God, yeah, but that like, and you laughed because that was back before like the Sports Illustrated like story came out about like, you know, we've almost forgotten about it because it's been four months or whatever I since mean, that came out. But I the laugh very because graphic. it's not making fun of the victims or light of the victims. It's making yeah. fun of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, he like. If he's innocent, I hope that gets proven in court. If he's guilty, I hope that gets proven in court. Like either way, like this this needs to be something needs to happen here because it, it's not like Deshaun Watson's just gonna like quietly go under the radar and everybody's like, Why do I know that name? It's like, no, like there's one thing we associate him with now and it's not, you know, a four and twelve season in twenty twenty. It's that. I mean, imagine like in a year and a half, really less, your legacy going from National champion Heisman winner, great NFL quarterback to horny man. Uh, allow me to tell you the story of one OJ Simpson, <laughs> <laughs> the, the only man to rush for 2,000 yards in a 14 game season. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, that's that's crazy. Um, hypothetical here would y'all trade Harold Landry straight up for Amari Cooper? Uh, no, no, no. Man, oh. I, I wish I wish we I could have asked you all these questions before the season. When well, you, sure, when, Will, before you had 12 and a half sacks. Yeah. When the true believers knew that that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, he'll never break. Like, I wish I had bet money with you that he would break 10 sacks because I'm sure you would have never bet that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, thinking back, I, would I have made that bet? I bet, I bet there's a podcast before the season starts <laughs> where you said he's not going to get double-digit sacks. We, I mean, I, we need to go back and listen to our episode right before the season started. Because the training camp episodes are mostly us talking about like camp battles and the preseason games, but 
I bet we made some predictions in that or one of those two episodes because there were two episodes between roster cuts and the start of the season. I I bet those are fantastic. So, I, I mean, bet there's a really funny uh, episode where we're like, surely they're not going to start David Questenberry at right tackle. Surely they're not going to do that. <laughs> like, and then they do Us it for underestimating a whole season. Vrabel. There, there's definitely an episode. <laughs> it was actually Matthias was out. Uh, it was the two of us and and Tyler Rowland and Will's like it, before Tyler came on, he's like, "Let me discuss my nightmare scenario where Mike Vrabel wins Coach <laughs> of the Year." <laughs> this was like week yeah. seven or eight. It was right before the Rams game. Yeah, because it, it was the first Derrick Henry game, and I was like, "He's gonna go. They're gonna beat him. They're gonna get the one seat. He's gonna win Coach of the Year, and I'm gonna be furious about it." <laughs> he earned it, though. That's exactly he what happened. He did. Everybody. He did. He certainly did. <laughs> yeah. You know, not to toot our own horn, we are typically like, we're we're not really take people. Like, we don't make predictions and that sort of thing. But I always feel like we have a pretty good pulse of what is happening, and we have pretty consistently over the years. Uh, but it is always fun when we're like ludicrously wrong. I, well, I don't yeah, know. That one time. <laughs> what if <laughs> one time that happened? <laughs> what if what I mean, do you we're think? pretty good at? I mean, like again, you're. You're right. Like not to toot our own horn because that's super annoying. But like, th- there's very rarely a time where all three of us agree on something and we're wrong because usually you and I take very different stances on things. So if yeah. we both see something, it's generally because mm-hmm. it's you know undisputed. But again, why why I think and why I hope you guys who are listening enjoy this is you know it's it's our brand. It's no nonsense. We're not sitting here make we don't like we don't do final score predictions. We don't. We don't, uh, you know, how many sacks is this guy going to get over on? You know, we don't do stuff like that, um, which I think allows us to have more intelligent conversations. I will ask this, though. Um, what what do you think are some of our, like, worst takes from the year, from over the years? Because we've done this. This is uh, this next season will be our sixth of podcasting together. We've talked Rashad about Evans uh, being like an all-pro linebacker. You said Rashawn yeah, sure. Evans. <laughs> there was I a, mean, I we yeah. thought he was going to be like a star. Well, there that was, was one, that was the evidence we had. Yeah, we I made know. the argument that he and Jayon were the best young linebacking core in uh, the NFL. And he just yeah, fell off yeah. a cliff. I mean, most of the bad takes that we've had like get proven wrong. Uh, over the years, but at the moment that we make the takes, the evidence is pointing towards it. Like we could go back to the Derrick Henry thing, but Derrick Henry was bad. Like he yeah. played poorly for a lot of games early in his career, and yeah, we I, didn't see him turning into this. I have vivid memory of of sitting in front of this microphone saying they got to stop giving him the ball because um, it was such a disaster when he would run the ball back in 2018. I remember a take I had where I said that uh, when the Titans switched from uh, Marcus to Tannehill, that I was like, they should do, you know, they're going to be good enough to end up in the middle of the first round, but they they should need to draft this Joe Burrow guy. And that turned out good. But, you know, I Joe mean, Burrow that's a great take, then, but <laughs> yeah, that was that was back an option. He was, yeah, he was like the quarterback four in the class, like. Um, we were ready to tank that year. Yeah, I, I remember the three of us having a conversation 
maybe leading up to that. No, it was around that game, either before or after Denver, where we're like, no, it had to have been after. We're like, there is no scenario where the Titans should con themselves into re-signing Ryan Tannehill after the season. That that one didn't age well. And then he just like spiked it on everybody and was like the most efficient quarterback in the league for like two straight years. I just remember walking uh, downstairs at the stadium after that Chargers game, and Teron Davenport looked at me and said, that was not Ryan Tannehill out there. <laughs> Dude. Rantan Hill's very good, but whatever. Um, <laughs> trying to think of other. I mean, we've been pretty good. Uh, I thought Anthony Ferkser <laughs> was going to be really good this year. That was that one's yeah, tough. Yeah, back. I think we were all. I didn't think he was going to um, be like a stud, but I thought he'd progress instead of yeah, just I, nose diving. I, I would bet money that if he goes to Atlanta next year, that he goes to a Pro Bowl. Like if they have him and Kyle Pitts and whoever they're going to have at wide receiver now that Calvin Ridley's been shunned. Um, <laughs> I'm look, what I'm do we think about that? By the tweets, way, trying to find terrible, uh, terrible takes, but I can't. I mean, find my it. worst take of all time is that old tweet of mine where I'm like, David Cobb and Bishop Sankey are going to be a nasty I, combo. <laughs> That's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, oh, I had a oh, man. My one of my worst draft. This, my, is a, this is a weird. Uh, this is a weird section of the podcast. <laughs> what, like, what do we think yeah. of the? Uh, what do we think of the Calvin Ridley thing? By the way, uh, I think players should be allowed to bet on their teams to win. Like, I think if you, yeah, like, right. I think it should be publicly disclosed. Like, and I think it. Like, I think there should be a practice for it. But if you bet on your team to win, like, what? How is that any different than if you're in a company and you reinvest your stock? Like. I mean, it's it's like you you are betting on the place you are working for doing better than other places. Like, yeah, that, I, I think logically that holds up. You just don't like you just don't bet against your team. Like that's the only problem. Like you like you can bet on as many teams as you want, but you can only bet for your team. And that like, and also everybody talking about what's his name, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins. Uh. My take on that is you should 100% be allowed to tank. You sh- you know, it should be encouraged if you're bad. Uh, don't make it a big secret or anything like that. But this idea that it's like, yeah, well, if you're mad at, uh, at Calvin Ridley, you should be furious with him. I'm like, you shouldn't be mad at either one of them. It's his business. If he if he tells them they want to that he wants to get out of the NFL for a year and make cheeseburgers, he could do that. My my sort of reaction is I think the money line betting on your own team to win. Sure, I'm with that. I think that can become a slippery slope though because like you know, what if you're you're Calvin Ridley and you know that I don't know who the Falcons other receivers are. I mean, Cordero Patterson, he's more of a running back. But let's say that you know the the first scripted play is a play action shot to Cordero Patterson, and so you bet Cordero Patterson first touchdown, or your buddy who plays for the Bills knows that their red zone sheet this week starts with quarterback power with Allen, and so you bet first touchdown Josh Allen. Like I think that's where you start to get into a slippery slope. And you start to get into ethical and integrity of the game type of questions. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I honestly, what he did, did didn't even seem that bad. Like, 
And the NFL even admitted like that he did not use any inside info to affect his bets. Plus, he was making like five, eight game parlays. Like it's impossible to know what's going to happen in those games. So, like I, I, I don't, I don't know. This is a very thin line. Um, but it, it, it is clear in the rules that you can't bet. So I understand that. But I just don't think that should be the rule because, I mean, these players, these players play fantasy, and I'm sure they play in leagues where they're they're spending money um, as a buy-in, and they could end up winning money. Isn't that like the same thing? Pretty much. Didn't Austin Eckler have like a podcast with Yahoo Sports where he like talks about yes. like I'm gonna be healthy all that like it's like that feels just as you know illegal. Also, if you're like if you're every if everything's on the table, if all your bets are made public, then you know you're tipping off your hand to the defense as much as you are you know betting on your like if you say like oh I think our first touchdown is gonna be a run to Cordero Patterson then the defense is going to be like okay let's alert for that on the red, in the red zone because i have this big you know 400,000 dollar wager that that's going to be the first score we're going to take a break when we come back the full free agency strategy for the Tennessee Titans in 2022 Okay, guys, six days away from, or really a week away from actual free agency, four days away from the negotiation period. What's the approach here? Where do you spend the big money? Because we spent last week mostly talking about players we liked and fits that made sense. But, But what's your ideal strategy? You know, you're looking at this and you say, you know, they come away with a receiver for this much and a tight end for that much and, and a swing tack. You know, what do you think is the strategy? What What do you hope, what do you, what do you think would make the most sense for them to do from a money allocation standpoint? Um, Man, I'm, I'm not sure what I, – I don't know if I want them to splash that much money for, for honestly any position in particular. This is coming – after the combine in which I saw an insane amount of talent at the wide receiver position, um, at least athletically, um, and also at the tight end position, two of the positions that we've talked about in depth over the last couple of weeks and two positions that we think are probably the most important for the Titans to attack. And seeing so much talent in this draft class at those positions makes me makes me think that they shouldn't break the bank for, for some of these receivers and tight ends and to probably hit on more of the, you know, second wave, um, you know, five to six for tight end, five to six million dollar tight end and then receiver. I don't know, some like eight, eight million, but under 10, un, under double digits. I think that's what, what I would go with. So someone like a tight end, maybe like a Tyler Conklin would make sense. I really don't think he's going to make um, too much money. Um, and then a receiver, I, I don't, I don't really want them to to spend too much. Like I could see them going for Manny Sanders, uh, a veteran who's probably not going to cost that much, but can come in um, and play well. Um, and I'm still assuming that Julio is going to be on the team. So, yeah, I think that's what I would go for. I, I, I don't know if I would really want the Titans to spend too much money uh, on any position in particular. All right. <laughs> so here's here's kind of my layout for this. 
Um, I'm going to assume that they restructure Zach Cunningham and Lawan because they have the two craziest like deals that are the easy ones to restructure. Um, Cameron Wolf mentioned on NFL Network, I believe, that uh, he talked to John Robinson, and John Robinson said that uh, two of the ways they were potentially going to open up cap space, but was by restructuring Derrick Henry or Kevin Byard's contract. Um, then I assume they're going to cut Saffold, Jack Rabbit, and Kendall Lamb and Kern. So that brings them up to like a total net change of being above the cap, forty point one million. All right. Now, now that I've gotten the math out of the way, that means they need left guard in, in no particular order: left guard, right tackle, center, two tight ends, and a wide receiver. So, in other words, left an guard, offense. Yeah, left guard fills <laughs> itself because Brewer is just going to step up for Stafford or for Saffold like he did most of the season. I think Raiden's, Raiden's is the right go, tackle. Yeah, Raiden's goes to right tackle. Um, then those are the only in-house replacements you have. Center, I think they re-signed Ben Jones because I, you know, I wrote an article about this, but basically the only center who's been o- older than 32, who's been signed to a multi-year deal to be a starter, is uh, Alex Mack, and he did it at 33. And then over the last like five or six or seven, maybe maybe last 10 years, I can't remember how far I went back. It just hasn't happened. So I don't, I mean, I don't think Ben Jones is Alex Mack. But I do think that if Ben Jones wants to play, the Titans would give him that chance, and I don't think he would have a big enough market to make it cost ineffective. So I wrote him down for a $5 million cap hit, which I think is the absolute most that he would get this year. Um, so fixes your center. You're, then you're left with your skill positions, your two tight ends and your wide receiver. I don't think the Titans want two rookie tight ends. So... Knowing everything we know about Mike Vrabel and his, how much he doesn't want to start rookies, going backwards, the depth wide receiver, like the wide receiver three, who's going to back up and you know supplement the current wide receivers and AJ and Julio, makes sense to draft that guy in the first round. Then the tight end two, you know the guy, your Anthony Ferks or you whoever, makes sense to be a draft pick either in the third or fourth round. So. With that logic, I said, okay, who is a veteran tight end that makes sense isn't isn't a receiving threat because I don't I think you can find a receiving tight end easier and cheaper in college than you can in free agency, but a guy who can do everything. And so that brought me to Max Williams and uh Spa Track has him at six point six million AAV. So if you do all if you sign Ben Jones again uh, Max Williams and draft two of those people, which we'll get into when we get closer to the draft. That leaves you with enough money to re-sign Harold Landry to an $18 million per year deal, even if the cap hit is $18 million up front, which it won't be. And you still walk away with somewhere between 11 and $18 million in extra cap space. And I think that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what is difficult, and and you did such a good job of of analyzing and breaking it down, is it just feels like there are there's an overwhelming amount of bodies that they need on offense, right? And and 
I think a lot of fans are going to want to see those quickly filled. Now, granted, the the crap has not yet hit the fan as to the cap casualties. Uh, they haven't cut anyone since the season ended. And so we'll see some of that start to happen. And and so that'll point to perhaps some more directions they could go. But I here's the thing. I think... It's going to be a draft year. It's going to be a year where, because of the money, they'll get a free agent. I don't think they're going to get someone like Bud Dupree last year that's very, very expensive. They'll get guys. They'll get good players that will help them win games. Um, but, but it's going to be about the draft. And what can't happen is what has happened in years past where either, A, they draft someone who's injured that can't help them in the first round, or B, they draft some kind of developmental guy like a Dylan Radins type. Uh, you know, the jury's still out on Caleb Farley, obviously. Uh, yeah, the jury has uh, rendered the verdict on Isaiah Wilson some time ago. But you get what I'm saying here. It's I, I think we agree that this is not the time to, you know, throw out all these dollar signs, especially with some of the deals they're going to have to make with their in-house guys. But then you have to back that up with guys who can come in and make an impact from the draft. They don't even have to be a starter. I'm just talking about someone who can come in and help them win games because really if you look at their their rookie class from from last year, uh, Elijah Molden is really the only one that consistently did that. Raidens certainly did in one game um, and even the year before that. who uh, No one certainly that year. And then since then, Christian Fulton's the only one. Luke's going to hate it when uh, the Times draft Jamison Williams or John May at yeah, some point. Yeah, they're, they're, they're 100%. 100% like, I, like, oh, I know they're, I, I, I know they're up there for, for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, like Jim White talks about them every chance he gets, and they wrote a full article about why they should take the – like on the team site like of why these guys were perfect. Like Jamison Williams is a gunner. You know, on special teams, he's super aggressive. He's super fast. He went to Alabama. You know, I I mean, it's going to be really hard for them not to fall in love with him. Yeah, um, I agree, though. I mean, they they really do need to get more out of these draft picks. I feel like there's a draft where John Robinson is going to move around a lot. Just not having that second round pick kind of puts the Titans in – in a precarious position. Um, and I could definitely see them dropping back from the first round and trying to pick up more picks. Um, if not this year, that then picks next year also. Um, also because like some of these quarterbacks are going to fall and teams always want to trade up into the back end of the first round. Um, and I think the times are in a really good position to, to be able to get some deals done. I could see John Robinson doing that unless, um, you know, someone he really likes falls, um, like has happened uh, the past couple of seasons with Caleb Farley um, and Jeffrey Simmons. Granted, they, they were injured, but John Robinson is always going to take a chance on someone he feels very confident about um, in terms of their ability, um, except for Isaiah Wilson. I don't know what the hell happened there, but that yeah, name doesn't I, I think exist anymore. <laughs> there was obviously an, a big evaluation swing and miss there, and I'm sure they liked Wilson. I don't think they wanted to take him at 29. I think – uh, the consensus to me seems to be that they wanted to trade out, but they couldn't find a good value, so they just took BPA at that point, 
which again, it is a problem that Isaiah Wilson was the BPA for them at 29, but I don't think they were yeah. in love with him. Well, yeah. the, the thing there was they didn't get to do in-person interviews because it was the COVID year. Yeah, and so they just got to remember, see the, they just got to they see just that. got to talk to Sam Pittman. Well, no, there was a con- <laughs> there was a combine, right? No, there, there wasn't a combine. Was there? There was because the combine. In the combine would have been before COVID. Uh, I, huh. I I don't know. There wasn't. All, all I know is that they didn't get a visit with him one on one. Like, and I, I think the explanation has been that jolly. Uh, where did they hear the jolly chuckle? Then was that on Zoom? On Zoom, <laughs> they yeah. might not have gotten a uh, visit. I I want to say they did meet with him. I, I'm I don't know. Maybe he did. They did. He did participate at the combine. Okay, so that, so they did go to the combine, but the the thing there with him was I'm that looking up a transcript. Uh, keep going. I'm looking up a transcript. He got a them after twenty eight on the wonder link. By the way, impossible. Impressive. I swear that's what um, it's. What does that mean? Like, what, what, I don't have I, context I mean, for what's good or not good on the wonder link. Uh, 20, if it, it's out of 50, near 30 25 is, is average. Um, and if it was out of a, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, so I, the way I understand John Robinson's draft strategy is he has people in, and he said it a bunch of times in pods where he says, okay, these people can help our team X amount. And then they're all in a pod. And then you go to the next pod, which is like a group, you know, if you've got if your top pod is immediate starters, you know, in impact players, future pro bowlers and the next spot is, you know, good starter, you know, like that. And it's basically tiers. And then once they're out of people at certain tiers, they go down. And if you'll remember, there really wasn't much to draft there. Not I mean, Isaiah Wilson was not the right pick, no matter like who was there. But it was like him and Jeff Gladney. And uh, like who's also like been arrested and like out of the league um, and like a couple of other players who just weren't good. And I think they were dead set on. I, I think more than anything, the Titans prioritize people who are the the Bill Belichick thing where it's the the planet theory, which is there's only a few people on the planet who look like X. Like it, they used to say that about Vince Wilfork, where it's like there's only, you know, God only made a few people who were built like that on the planet. And so that's that's kind of what they Richard Seymour was another guy like that. And I think they just looked at him and they said, well, we can light a fire under him. You know, his coaches vouch for him, blah, blah, blah. And then he was the way he was. But I say all this to say it really doesn't matter who you draft in the first or second. I mean, really at all with Mike Vrabel, like. Harold Landry had to wait his turn behind Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan, even though they were terrible. Um, even after Rashawn Evans was healthy and we saw that he was much better, you know, it, he was decent even in his rookie year once they finally let him play. Like he had to get his hamstring healthy. And then even then he was behind Will Compton and Wesley Woodyard on the depth chart. Then, uh, the, I mean, we saw Christian Fulton last year, like be behind Jonathan Joseph, which was an atrocity. Like we saw Tajay Sharp start over AJ Brown for the first half of the season. <laughs> like, I, I mean, the well, thing AJ is, AJ Brown like, had 100 receiving yards in his first game. 
He did as a backup, and then he he played less snaps than Tajay Sharp for the first, I believe, <laughs> four or five games. So you know you can like just because he did more with his snaps doesn't make him a starter. Jeffrey Simmons did more than Matt Dickerson, but Matt Dickerson got more snaps than Jeffrey Simmons early in his career. By the way, like, more, more on AJ Brown coming from me in the stop the nonsense segment. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of that this offseason. He's being he's being a little goofy. Um, but yeah, like the point is like. You can they can draft the most pro ready player in the draft with 26 and they won't play until every veteran in front of them has been given every chance to play. It's I, just I remember it's how it's happened. When I asked Vrabel about that this year, he's like, "Well, you know, we don't we don't have a rule that says that rookies can't play." I'm like, "But sure seems like it." <laughs> yeah, he's well, he's also said the like We've got to get our starters ready. So these guys, you know, the rookies don't get a lot of chances. That's why special teams <laughs> are so important. It's the closest thing to replicating what you do. You've got to run. You've got to hit. You've got to get off blocks. So you've got to block people. I mean, <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was week seven, and I asked him, I'm like, it's been seven games, and the only rookie that's helped you win games is Elijah Molden. Like, what's up there? And – and you know, then of course the special teams thing with Monty Rice, and and then you I, during a press conference, Will, you sent me a message. You're like, ask him about Dylan Raiden's playing special teams to get prepared. <laughs> and I I did ask him a variation of that because I thought it was a great question. It, it is so funny. But by, by the way, uh, Isaiah Wilson did meet with the Titans for 20 minutes in person at the combine. So th- there's that. Um, I have to assume he, he, just he did 20 minutes. Uh, John Robinson in the same quote, because we know about Vrabel talking about the jolly chuckle. Uh, John Robinson, he did have that low bass chuckle laugh that kind of reminded me of Andre the Giant. Yeah, see, big. Like, Vra- Vra- I was because when trying to get to that quote in this transcript, I found another quote from Vrabel that's like, "Well, he had to turn sideways to get into Lucas Oil Stadium." Yeah, like that's the thing. Like if both <laughs> of these guys. Wrestler in the in the first round, yeah, yeah, and every, and all the trappings that go with that. Oh like, my gosh, that's the problem. Like for all, like I, I mean, John Robinson does a lot of great things, but sometimes I think he and Vrabel get into a room and they say, you know, who he reminds me of, and they talk about a player from the '90s who wouldn't even be on a roster today. And they're like, oh yeah, he does kind of have some of that in him, doesn't he? And it's like, oh, <laughs> losers. Have we set our piece on free agency? Because when we come back next week, we're going to be talking about people they've signed. Uh, let me ask you this. Let's say they don't re-sign uh, Harold Landry. Historically, if they don't re-sign somebody at a position, they don't go out and sign somebody else to replace that. They just draft somebody. Do you, like If you had to sign somebody who wasn't, an edge and you were given an extra 18 million dollars to do it who like where what would you look at it's a good question um all the good players have gotten tagged so i'm i don't think there's anyone for 18 mil that even makes sense yeah i mean the the correct answer is like aj brown or jeffrey simmons but uh, you still got another year of aj brown on a rookie contract and you've got two years of Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, one, obviously, will be much more expensive as the fifth-year option, but still that fifth-year option is not going to quite be an extension cost. So um, I'm, I'm less concerned about that. I Just re-sign Harold Landry. I think that's the moral of this great question you've posed, no? 
Well, I mean, my my question is just a thought process, but like just a thought experiment. Like, you know, I didn't think they would let Corey Davis walk last year just because I, they their offense was. I mean, remember they like you earlier, Matias. You said that it wasn't like receiver was the strength. I mean, they almost had two thousand yard receivers and they were averaging thirty points a game. Like pretty much everything on that offense was a strength at that point with Arthur Smith. So, I I, I don't I don't know. What I, I mean, what I would do with the money, absolutely resign Harold Landry. Like, I mean, Harold Landry is one of my guys, but you know, I mean, do they? It's because you said not an edge. Because if you said edge, I would say just spend it for a year of Von Miller or Chandler Jones, and that's it. But other positions in free agency, I just don't. Not anymore. Yeah. Some of these guys have, have gone tad. Like, I would have said Chris Godwin, but he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, Alan Robinson, maybe, but I don't know if that even really makes sense with Julio still on the roster. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I, I like, I don't, like, there's, there's a bunch of guys who are going to get a bunch of money in free agency. And, like, you know, you can argue... Uh, you know, like whatever, like, I mean, you can argue how much DJ Chark's worth compared to Odell Beckham compared to, you know, Gallup and Amari Cooper. It's like, but they're going to make a lot of money. I just don't know. I, I mean, I just don't know because it, again, you have to convince yourself that whoever they bring in, that they're going to be good in Todd Downing's offense, which I think is a big problem. I mean, Kelly will help obviously, but like, I, I like, are they going to start running three wide receiver sets? Because if not, you're going to have to bench Julio, and I don't think anybody wants that. It, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's all very confusing. I, I don't know why. I, I cannot convince myself of a reason why. Now, I say that. I can't convince myself of a single player that would replace what Harold Landry does, but you could make an argument for a combination of different players that, that would make some sense. Yeah, so, I just I, I'm not interested. <laughs> I, yeah, I I've seen I, them try the it. combo thing that we saw that as recently as 2020. They tried it with Beasley and Clowney, and it was a you know no pun intended. It was a clown show. Well, um, they tried it last year with Bud Dupree and Autry. Like, but yeah, but that, both like, of those guys were on the field at the same time. They weren't alternating. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, because on third downs they would play Autry at, at one technique because they would play him an edge some, um, but he was he's more of a tweener. He went back and forth. All right, it is time for our final pre-free agency. Stop the nonsense. I I teased mine, so I'll go ahead and give it to you. Uh, AJ Brown, love AJ Brown. Great player, fun guy to cover, fun guy to watch, and he's got a great personality. However, AJ Brown has one major flaw. In life, and that is he is uh, King Tweet the Leader. Uh, some of the things that he posts that he winds up deleting are just in themselves nonsense, just really weird things that he shouldn't post. Uh, other things are really, really funny, and, and he deletes them. Uh, there was one today, I honestly forgot what it was. Do you know what I'm talking about, either one of you? I, I saw a screenshot of something that he had posted and then deleted um any that ringing a bell i'm trying to find it like today he deletes everything yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah uh oh yeah okay here we go uh it, he tweeted jordan love got one of the easiest job out there 
and it was a picture of this dog lying on the couch that says "I chillin" as the caption. That's funny. Like that's like hilarious, that. but he deleted it. Why did he delete that? I don't that's know. Because so his his agent is probably Jordan Love's agent. I've gotten to where uh, while one of you are giving your stop the nonsense, I'm going to look that up. Um, but I've gotten to where when I see a tweet of his that is notable, I immediately screenshot it. Because I know that odds are good, it's not going to be up for very much longer. Um, so my stop the nonsense is AJ Brown. Like either stop tweeting or stop deleting, because the tweets are funny. Most of them are great. Keep them up. Stop being king tweet deleter. AJ Brown. Yeah, I do like that he uh, it has fully leaned into I'm going to play baseball, like where he's like hilarious. Oh, you know, yeah, like that's such a fun like. It just, just like it's ridiculous and it gets like it, it's the same people who get mad at Lawan for having a podcast they're like no you can't even talk about another sport why aren't you working out right now and it's like guys calm down like it's serious but like it's not like you know yes but, just, but that's uh you know that happens yeah um they do not have the same agent for- by the way jordan love is with david mulugeta who also oh, represents yeah, kevin byard Byard and Deshaun Watson, uh, bless his heart on that one. Well, that's a tough one. And uh, <laughs> AJ Jalen Ramsey too, huh? A- like, AJ's with CAA Sports. He has Jimmy Sexton. Hmm. Yeah, they're not the same. Dude, uh, AJ Brown's tweets um, sound like my middle school tweets. Uh, no, my, <laughs> right? my, middle, my middle school Facebook posts. Yeah, and that's sure. why they're that's funny. Like, they're like they're all like there's there's some of them that are really funny like. Okay, so it's like I would divide them into three different categories. There's like funny tweets about current situations. Then like uh, like when the Ukraine stuff happened, he tweeted something like, "Hey, uh, does anybody know some in, uh, some oil companies that I should buy stock in?" Like it's like irreverent. It's like, but like it, it was before I think the actual like attack happened. It was just like you know it, just a funny like topical thing. And then I'm sure that's deleted now. Then there's some of them that are just about TV shows and they'll just be like, Hey, did y'all see this? And then then it's like, uh, yeah. And then there's a third of them that are song lyrics or motivational posts to no one in particular. That's just him talking into the void. And like, it's like he wants people to reach out to him and say like, Oh man, I love that song. It's just (laughs) like, it, they're very like, it's very funny to me because they do like reek of middle school Facebook, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But th- it's awesome. Like I like he's one of the few like athletes I follow, and like every tweet they have, I'm like, all right, let me check this out. Uh, I'll go ahead and my stop the nonsense. Uh, it's not it's not a long one. It's just I can't believe it happened. So uh, earlier today at the franchise tag deadline, the Browns officially tagged David and Joku. But they also said that they weren't going to cut uh, Hooper, Austin Hooper. I couldn't think of his first name. Uh, Austin Hooper, who's their like other tight end. And so uh, Jason from Over the Cap posted this tweet that says, "If the Browns keep Hooper and Njoku on their uh, on their current contracts, uh, they'll be paying them twenty four point one eight million dollars in cap space this year." Uh, for two tight ends that combined for 820 yards in 2021. Woo! Like, that is so, like, such a 
bad way to spend your money. Like, not they, only is they it spent twenty one dollars, twenty one million dollars on Johnu Smith and Anthony Ferkser. Uh, I mean, I, like, I don't, I, I don't know. Yes, what is the do. answer to that. <laughs> yeah, like it's like. So the thing that freaks me out is like they did this knowing that they they apparently loved Jadavian Clowney. Whatever, like he works there because. Miles Garrett can big brother him and say like, Hey, you know, Hey Rook, even though <laughs> clown is like four <laughs> years older than him. Like he can say like one day you may be like me. And he's like, really dad. And he's like, yeah. And like, he, he'll play hard for, you know, very short bursts and he'll run in a straight line. And sometimes people quarterbacks will run into him and they apparently want him back, but they didn't cut Jack Conklin like they were talking about. So now they kind of have three offensive tackles with no plan on what to do with them. They're paying, in Joku and Hooper, like they're like they're two of the top five tight ends in the NFL, and they let Odell Beckham go. They, you know, they like aren't they maybe won't page Davian Clowney. Like they just like it's such a weirdly run team. Like I don't understand why they're doing it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand it either. I figured they would release uh, Hooper after this, but um. Doesn't seem to be happening. I wouldn't have mind scooping him up, but it's not happening. Anyway, um, I oh, do. I low-key forgot that the Washington football team is called the Commanders now. Can't believe that's real. <laughs> yeah. So, I, feel, I feel weird that, saying it in conversation. Like I was talking to my dad the other day, and uh, I don't remember what the conversation was. Maybe we were talking about Russell Wilson. I said, "Well, the Commanders tried to trade for him last week," and he was like, "Who?" <laughs> it sounds like, oh, yeah. so weird. It sounds very yeah. much like an AFL XFL team. Yeah, yeah. All right, so no, that's not my stuff and nonsense. My stuff and nonsense. I don't know if you guys watched the combine. Did you this past this past? Uh, I saw some clips. Not, I didn't like single, watch it on TV. Not a single not part really. of it. I'm the only weirdo. Anyway, so I was watching the 40 yard dashes, and apparently they have like a new head guy who is timing. Uh, the 40 yard dashes initially, and then they like electronically confirmed. But this guy sucks, man. It was, it, he was so off on almost every single 40 yard dash unofficial time that it got to the point where like it, it had become a meme throughout, uh, throughout the days. Like, yeah. They said, like, like initially, the guy had one of the guys, the Baylor guy, Tyquan Thornton, had broken the NFL combine record at 4 2 1. Um, and then they electronically confirmed it and he had a four, two, eight. So not even close. Um, but it, it went both ways. It went both ways. It was either like he timed it way too fast for the player. And it ended up being, he was way slower. Like Galabe, Galabe was a four, two, six, uh, 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 initially. And then it was like a four, three, nine by the end. Like it was so bad. Yeah. I did catch some of that. Around. No, it was really bad. Like, and Kenneth yeah. Walker also, the running back from Michigan State, unofficially his first one was like four four six, and then the official times come out, and this dude ran a four three eight. It was crazy, um, and this happened with like every player. So just awful on the NFL's part. Hopefully they get it uh, resolved for uh, for for next season. Uh, it was so bad that Vegas, it like messed up Vegas's odds on the wide receivers that were getting drafted. Like there was a day where like Chris Olave went from the wide receiver five to like the wide receiver two. 
And then the next day after the times were all like, this was like on Monday, like after everything was official, he dropped back down to wide receiver five again. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's so funny because they're like, wow, a four, two, eight. And then like, I, we, I remember this cause I saw it on Twitter and I was like, I don't believe that. And then it was like, ah, he actually ran a four, seven or whatever he ran. And like, I was like that I tweeted at Matias and I was like, that looks a lot more correct. Like it, it was very weird to see like all these people breaking these 40 time records. But uh, that it, I mean, people say it's cause they changed from Car- Charlie Casterly keeping the times, but surely he wasn't that much better than the next guy. Yeah. I was about right? to say what I, happened. I don't know. I thought they had lasers for that. Charlie like, that Casserly, who's like 80, was keeping the yeah. times like, like two years ago. Yeah. Apparently. Dude, like he's crazy. he's a very bad like draft analyst and all that kind of stuff. But apparently he can work that. Hey, my man <laughs> had the nuts to take Mario Williams over Reggie Bush and ended up being right. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it worked out great for him. <laughs> It didn't, didn't make a huge difference for his organization, unfortunately. Nope. <laughs> no, but it didn't really matter. <laughs> it was a good pick in isolation, though. It was a courageous yeah. good pick. That's going to do it for us. We'll be fun to be back next week when uh, some of there, there will hopefully be some news. There haven't really been news with the Titans in a while, uh, really since the season ended. That will change before next time. So, until then, for Will and Matthias, I am Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.